Hi there. Welcome to the Thought Mix and Bull podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hanna. Every episode, I have a different question for you to ponder on. Today's question comes from a curious and creative guest. I'll let her introduce herself, and then we'll get into a conversation around that question. My name is Elizabeth Alexander, and I am an art educator, so I teach sculpture and drawing at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Um, I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, currently, recent transplant from the Boston area, so I still don't fully identify as a Southerner. (laughs) Um, And I make installations, sculptures, collages out of deconstructed domestic materials and environments. Cool. Yeah. We'll uh, include links to like check out your website and take a look at that stuff too, because it is kind of hard to describe without looking at it. Just uh, it is, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's not a great elevator conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's why you make the art because you can't say it, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. Well, the the purpose of this podcast is that people come on with a question that they think is fascinating or important, and that's on mm-hmm. their mind, and that they think other people aren't thinking or talking about too much. So. I was curious what your question was for this episode. So my question was, and I I admit, I don't think it's something that people aren't talking about. I think it's actually a sort of elephant in the room of a lot of artist studios is when you know something is finished, you know, and as a teacher, I deal with that with my students a lot. You know, a lot of the times, actually, they decide that a work is finished because it's handed in for critique. And, you know, a major thing that we discuss is the work doesn't die at critique. You can keep working on it. And there's actually a wonderful opportunity where you get all this feedback and you can keep developing it. But it was a big critique of my own work a lot where the way I decided that my work wasn't finished or that my work was finished was ambiguous it was kind of it seemed arbitrary and it kind of was arbitrary it was just you know either it was due it was the material ran out or you know I filled the room and the room is filled so it's finished you know so there wasn't really a lot of decision making happening and that kind of turned into the way I define my process which is this sort of guideline for all of my work now or almost all of my work in that I take a finite amount of material and deconstruct it and then make a work that's the sum of that part, those parts and only those parts. And I don't think if that wasn't a thing that I was battling with so often, I don't think I would have actually come to this way of working as easily. You know, I might have eventually, but I don't think it would have felt as important to me, it's, you know, since it was this sort of thing looming over my practice and the way I saw my work and thought about my work and was critiqued often by my peers, you know, it was a conversation I wanted to stop having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah. Constraints can be very helpful for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, you know, in a lot of ways it's, it's helped a lot. Um, And in other ways I still rework installations and I still, you know, so it's like it's answered questions and sort of decided to define this process. And then, it's also become something that the fact that I have a record through documentation, you know, means gives me a license to keep developing things and keep working things. So it's almost like it's a big part of my process and it's also a big thing I ignore, you know, in my process as well. You know, and it's something I think a lot of people are talking about uh, in that the Met just had that big show uh, called Unfinished uh, and it was called Unfinished. Thoughts Left Visible, which I really liked that sort of subtext that it was put in, you know, where Mm -hmm. 
the unfinished state of the work, which, you know, conceptually was part of some people's work and then, you know, went all the way back to the Renaissance where it was, you know, paintings that were just not completed and you could see the pencil marks, you know, and the sort of what the artists laid out for themselves. But it was this sort of romantic thing where you could sort of see what the artist, you know, sort of see the innards of, the, you know, the sausage being made almost. Right. Um, which I think is something taken out of our daily lives almost completely. Uh, you know, everything is, ha you know, even artists have the resources to make things so perfect now that the maker and the sort of decision making is not as visible in the work anymore. And I think that's why that show was so well received was because it's this kind of romantic special thing, you know, where maybe decades ago it wouldn't have really been that important because. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing, too, because I was talking to someone not too long ago about kind of social media, how that kind of has been the way that people show their process now, since mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily show in the work so much. Like now right. they, they use social media as their way of showing that. So it's almost being transferred somehow there. Yeah. And, I, you know, I do that, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's cool because it's a it's almost a way that artists kind of educate each other. But I like the, that process being really visible, and I like that, that problem solving being really visible in the work. And I think the way, you know, that I set those parameters and, you know, and that I have the finite amount of material and I have to use only that, you know, so I can't fall in love with it before I'm done using up all the material. But I also, if I'm not satisfied with it after I finish it, I can only use what's there. I can't take anything away. I can't add to it. And so the dialogue with the material is, I feel very present, you know, and I think that that when when a work is really manufactured looking for me, I don't have as much of a connection to it because I like to be able to sort of see the artist working things out, you know, either on a canvas or in a space or with material. Typically, I respond to a lot of works where there's the discourse is, is there. You know, I think that whole thing with social media and everyone kind of showing their process and, and sharing it, you know, I think the sort of there's this return to the importance of how things are made. You know, there's the DIY movement is really huge right now and making things for yourself, growing your food, you know? And I think that's, there is, like I was saying with the, the show at the Met, there is a sort of return to seeing how the sausage is made or getting to know how things are done because there's been such a strong disconnect between ourselves and the objects and spaces and things that we interact with you don't know how anything's made because it's all processed in these factories and processed in these other spaces and the sort of ability to take ownership of your space and your stuff is completely removed. Right. Getting back to the question of how do you determine when it's finished then? I know you say you use a finite amount of material, but even then still like you can rework that material, you know, in how many different configurations. So like how does, how do you determine when it's finished even at that point, when you have only a finite amount of materials, the ideas aren't finite necessarily. You know, so yeah. So then there's the question of where your priorities are. Right. You know, you know, is a work not finished until maybe the concept isn't finished? You know, is it maybe not the individual parts or the individual pieces, but you know, it's the exploration of an idea? Is that the work? You know, I think the sort of stock answer is often when it's sold. You know, <laughs> so is commerce your priority? and the economics of art 
and you know selling your work and creating a product that people buy, um, that people can sell, that people can write about. Is it finished when it's shown? Is it finished when it's documented? And then it can, you know, that's a license to keep going. So it's a question I haven't totally answered for myself, but I've almost devised tricks for myself to kind of deal with it in ways that I feel that are important to me, you know, so that I'm present the whole time. And it's not just the sort of thing that I'm not thinking about that just, you know, well, it's done because I'm, I'm done. But, but in another way, I, I do really enjoy almost seeing my, my work as the raw material that I keep re remaking every time it's in a site, because, you know, every, for installation, it's site specific. So I have to, it has to keep evolving. Otherwise it doesn't fit. Yeah, I I feel like finished can be a tricky word. Like there's different levels of finished. Like some some things are never truly finished, but they're finished enough for this showing or finished enough for whatever deadline or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I don't know of anything that's ever truly finished. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's something, you know, Da Vinci said that, you know, Cezanne said that um, finishing was a goal for imbeciles. You know, finishing a thing was a goal for imbeciles. So there's... It's been a thing that's been discussed probably as long as artists have been making. And I don't, the, I think that's why that was such an interesting question for me because it's something that I, I really think actually probably, it's almost like the what is art question, you know, doesn't matter. But I think in some ways it's something artists need to sort of define for themselves in their own work. And, and it is determined a lot by, prior, you know, the set of priorities that an artist has. For me, a piece feeling like it's really married to a site and really it's like almost like it lives there is more important than preserving the way that it was the, when I initially made it, you know? So that's more important to me than having the piece stay exactly the same forever so that it can be written about and talked about and shown, you know, in, in 16 different locations and always be consistent, you know, but, you know, and, and then I have other works that are, can, you know, just their own objects. Like you contacted me because you saw my porcelain works. You know, those are contained things in themselves. So, you know, different bodies of work have different determining factors of can they stay live and keep evolving or, you know, are they complete in themselves and do they need to keep moving forward? You know, and I think that's... Um, it's okay to have different conversations with your work and your studio and different determining factors for when a work can kind of carry on as the way it is forever, carry on as something new every time. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's tricky because everyone goes through this question of what is finished, but it's also like even every time you get to a different creation, the question is different too because the situations right. are always different. So it's almost like you can't just come up with a straight line this is what it means to be finished because it's it's different every time yeah Um, it's it's more like a feeling like of the of the interaction of the goals of that piece like does it feel right and that you can't just set in stone you know that just has to be in the moment does this feel right (laughs) right exactly you know and and again like with the porcelain series going back to that you know it's something that each object is its contained thing but i keep making them so the idea is still alive and the idea is still going and just sort of having these pursuits where every piece informs the next piece informs the next piece informs the next piece sort of keeps those things alive all the time you know and I think sort of having the record of thought and the record of problem solving 
is a really important thing for an artist to be aware of, you know, what concepts and what problems that you're sort of facing follow you throughout your work, you know, and how you sort of condense those into a piece and into a, a conversation with the with the material, you know, and how you don't put every single idea into one thing and how it, they can kind of disperse into separate works and then come back together. You know, and that's another thing I see my students battle with all the time. They feel like everything has to go into one piece all the time. <laughs> yep. And um, and I, I think that's a great thing about teaching is you, you sort of get to see, pro, you know, everyone kind of deals with the same set of problems as they're figuring out how to make art and how to articulate their thoughts into a visual piece, you know, or writing or music or, I, you know, I don't think it's really special to artists, but... But you get to sort of see like, oh, yeah, that was something I dealt with way back then. And that was really difficult. You know? <laughs> and, and knowing, you know, how to keep your ideas you know how to separate your ideas and how to edit things down to condense it into one piece and and understanding that you can have things in series or you can have the conversation longer than just the one thing. Having a piece be able to be extended beyond critique, things like that. I don't know if this question will ever be answered. And I think that's a good thing because I think that kind of keeps things a little bit more present for the artist. You know, you have to be present with the work. You're not just sort of turning your head off and manufacturing a product over and over again. And I think that's the sort of difference between a lot of trades and art, you know, artworks is that you're, you're constantly reevaluating and constantly rethinking. And, and I think once you stop once you stop seeing your work in that way, that it can keep, you can keep questioning and you can keep perfecting or changing, then I think that work kind of dies in a way, you know, because it sort of loses the life that you have when you're making, you yeah. know. I mean, the way I always like to think of, of art is that art is, or the difference between art and like craft is art provides questions, craft provides answers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like the openness and keeping things in question. <laughs> that's, right, what art, yeah. that's what art my, is. My parents are, you know, my father's is a iron worker and my mother's a painter. So I have this kind of, you know, split where wanting things to have purpose, you know, but also enjoying things that are a little more ambiguous, you know, because if you look at a house that's unfinished, you just know that it's either going to become a house eventually or it'll eventually be knocked down. Like, you don't, think about it in conceptual way, you know, it just, it's out, it's a building and currently it's made out of two by fours and eventually it will get a skin and we'll get rooms. And, you know, so I think that's another reason that people often ask artists how they know that whether things are finished is because it's not a normal thing people deal with in their daily lives. Mm -hmm. You know, most people have a task, they complete it and then move on, you know, and, and to sort of like have this open-ended task that could be, could go on forever is something that is probably very overwhelming for a lot of people to think about, you know. <laughs> Including and, the artists and, themselves. <laughs> right, exactly. Even us. But I, I do, it really, I, I kind of like having that sort of split understanding of, or a split way of looking at the world. It, things that have a purpose and needing to know how things are made and needing to know, needing to know that things work the way that they're supposed to. And then also the sort of poetics of things and not needing to know and sort of experiencing things through feeling and emotion. And I think that's where that sort of sense of not needing things to be finished 
lives, you know, and that mm -hmm. sort of more emotional connection to the work. Right. So I guess that's why it's so hard for, that's an artist, a question that artists are always kind of dealing with is what is finished, because that feels like having an answer feels like not being part of art. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's maybe why the stock answer is so sassy. Like, well, it's finished when it's sold. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, and I always think of that, like, you know, whenever I've had an installation where eventually, you know, you move on from things or move on from ideas and realize that you haven't come back to it in so many years and, you know, that you can kind of sell off the parts. I think of it almost like it's retiring. Like, it's not dead, it's not finished, but it's just sort of in its second stage. Going in a sunset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I've heard, like, Janine and Tony talk about things being unfinished in a way of, you know, like unmaking art and making the process visible. And that's like part of her concept is making the invisible visible, um, the invisible parts of art and the invisible connections to objects. And, and, you know, what I was talking about where things we don't, we kind of take a lot of things for granted and don't really think about how they're made and sort of unmaking that. And I, I think about that a lot with my work too, that sort of deconstructed nature of my work, which is, visible on purpose and how I sort of give myself this ability to have it always look like it's in flux. And I think that sort of presence of time and presence of flux is also a, a major part of my work. And conceptually, you know, I think of it a lot is it's like a narrative about perfectionism, you know, and how in our relationship to our space and how we present ourselves and one of the parts of perfectionism is you're always improving. You know, it's like a sort of, you know, I take it to an extreme and it's like <laughs> this manic improvement. But, you know, and that keeps things in flux because they're never right. And so yeah. um, having this sort of visible state of unmaking or of something being in flux is also important. And so like things being unfinished is almost like a method and a concept for me in a way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a. It's all very interesting. I mean, there's, there's something, obviously, like if you're, you're doing with your work for years and years, is something that we could talk about for a very long time. But <laughs> are, there, are there any kind of like closing thoughts you want to say to kind of tie up this idea in your head? Um, well, I think for one thing, this seems like a show, almost a show about artists for artists and talking about making and talking about the, the problems that we face. And I think... In, in thinking about whether or not something is finished, it's really important for artists to really define for themselves what their priorities are and give themselves the ability to be okay with the fact that you might be pursuing something for a long time and that you can kind of have a wake of things in that pursuit that might feel resolved, but, you know, it's okay that it's not, that you're not done with it. Cause I think a lot of artists are, it's a, it's an uncomfortable place when you're sort of constantly. And that's why we're always pursuing something because we're kind of always trying to chase these unanswerable questions. Mm -hmm. And so I asked a question that I don't know the answer to and sort of like deciding that that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's really important for the art to feel like it has a life to it. I think it's important that that is still there you know that sort of presence of thought and presence of problem solving and presence of the unresolved i i think is is important for an art to have the ability to connect with others because it's not telling them something it's asking something you know so 
I agree 100%. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, maybe that's not a very artistic question then. I'm unsure of that. <laughs> yeah, I guess this conversation can, doesn't have to be art. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good little talk then for, for people to ponder on and think about themselves, about how this question comes up in their lives, because mm-hmm. it's not always at the forefront of everyone, even though it's kind of in the background there. Not everyone thinks about it every day, so it's good to... That's why I like bring everyone's questions up because they're all kind of there, but you don't necessarily bring it to the spotlight all the time. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so people want to find out more about you and your work. Where can they find you? Uh, com is uh, my website and, you know, all the contact information and my portfolio and everything else is there. So. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing your question. It's been really great. All right. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really fun. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Elizabeth, and I hope that you'll think on that question yourself and how it applies to what you're doing. You can find Elizabeth and her work where she mentioned, and you can find me at thoughtmixandbowl.com. If you like this conversation and want to hear more questions, you can also head on to the website, or you can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud to hear more podcast episodes. And if you want more information about supporting or joining in Thought Mixing Bowl, you can head on over to thoughtmixingbowl.com, and there you can find out more information. So that's it. Until next time, take care and be awesome.